We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the first ever Eurostep podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Bucks podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. Uh, my name is Kane Pittman, uh, Milwaukee Bucks beat reporter for the Pick and Roll Australia, and I'm joined by my good friend uh, Ty Windish. Uh, how you doing, Ty? I'm, I'm doing well. It's been an exciting trade deadline day here as we record on Thursday, but uh, you know the weather stinks. We're not going to talk about the weather though. We're going to talk about some trades, especially one three-team deal that involved the Bucks. Yeah, I, I feel like in, in terms of days we could have uh, picked to, to run the first uh, episode, uh, I feel like uh, this has been one of the busiest days I've had since I moved to Milwaukee. Yeah, and it's been a curveball day. You know, I didn't really know if I expected the Bucks to do much of anything. I hadn't heard any, we'll say I haven't heard any credible rumors uh, about what they were going to do next, but uh, a deal that I think neither of us liked ended up being a, a pretty good one, at least in my opinion. Yeah, so uh, look, let's just get straight into it. I, I know yesterday, uh, you know, the, the news broke pretty early and, and we knew that, that uh, Thon's camp had leaked that he was looking for a trade. Uh, so I, I don't think the news that he was traded came as a big surprise to anyone. But um, just just straight up, the, the original report that it was Thon maker for Stanley Johnson, did you, uh, what was what was the reaction uh, like on that for you, and and what did you what did you think of that move if that's what it was in isolation? So my reaction kind of came in waves. I mean, at first you look at that, and I was going, you know, is is there a pick coming too or something? And I saw some other people who who aren't Bucks people on on Twitter going, yeah, there should be a pick going the other way. I was like, well, I don't know about that one. <laughs> uh, and so at, at first it was just kind of disappointment because you look at Stanley Johnson, who's a promising wing player, a strong defender, but the one thing he really cannot, I mean, he can't do much on offense, but he really can't shoot. 
And that's just, it, it seems so like such a bad move because literally every move the Bucks have made over the last year or so has been to add shooters and get rid of anyone besides Giannis who can't shoot and sort of Bledsoe. He has his moments where he can't shoot as well. So it just seemed weird. And then, you know, it settles in a little bit. Then I kind of thought, well, maybe it's a salary dump sort of move because uh, Stanley Johnson's not owed anything this summer. I think the Bucks pretty clearly with the Deli Henson trade want to have a lot of cap space this summer. And then after that, I sort of wondered, you know, well, if that's the deal, they can move Johnson somewhere else. Maybe there's another sort of move coming. And hopefully that's that, that, my thought was hopefully that happens. I, I can't sit here and say I predicted there would be a three team trade and the Pelicans would get involved or anything else. But I did hope that some something else would happen with Johnson before all was said and done. Yeah, I, I think I think that's right, and I think me and you were on a, a similar wavelength there. We we didn't talk about it before this, but I, I think that um, we were sort of feeling the same way about Stanley Johnson. And I know that uh, you know on Twitter, I, like people give me uh, uh, they get into me a little bit because they see that as as I was defending Thon being Australian, but I just my stance through this whole. Uh, sort of episode was that I didn't see why the Bucks would trade Thon Maker if it wasn't bringing back someone that was going to help this team right now. And Stanley Johnson just did not fit what this team was doing. He couldn't shoot. He yes, he could defend, but he could not shoot. So for me, if you were comparing Stanley Johnson to Thon Maker in this roster right now, and who's going to help this team win this year, then give me Thon Maker. So uh, there was a little bit of cap flexibility, and and I sort of. Through the day yesterday, I I was thinking about that, and I'm like, okay, this is what the Bucks are doing. They're, they're all they're worrying about is the summer. They feel like Thon wasn't playing anyway, uh, so they weren't going to take a hit. So it wasn't until this morning um, when I uh, wake up. There's still no confirmation of the trade because we're at the Bucks game last night. We're in the locker room post game. We understand that we can't really ask any serious questions about this trade specifically or Stanley Johnson because it wasn't official. So, uh, you know, I, I tweeted out something this morning that I was like, listen, this has been 24 hours now. I've got, I'm starting to get the feeling that something else is coming because uh, it's been far too long for this trade not to be made official for just two players, uh, you know, in, in, in Johnson and, and Maker. So, um, look, uh, we need to get right to it now. Miritich, uh, unbelievable uh, grab by the box. I did not see this coming. Uh, to be able to swing Stanley Johnson through uh, straight to the Pelicans. Jason Smith goes as well. Uh, he hasn't been playing. Um, so essentially what you look at is you trade two guys in in Jason Smith and Thon Maker uh, for a returning player in Nikola Mirotic, a starting level player who's had a big impact in the Pelicans last year heading into the playoffs. Um just on paper for the actual players in the NBA right now, this is this is a big time deal for the Bucks. What what what's your initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I've been saying for a while now that the, if there's a and you know you're picking nits anytime you sort of criticize the Bucks right now, it feels like I mean best record in the league, first team to forty wins, monster net rating, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But still, you know, you can look at a good team and see ways they can improve. You know, I looked at the Bucks and said, well, I wish they had another option at the five behind Brook Lopez. You know, if Brooke misses games or even just situationally, like if Brooke is in foul trouble, I didn't like who they would have to play at center. I, I don't like – I like the option of going small with Giannis at the five, but I don't like having to do that ever. I don't think it's good if, if Bud has to put Giannis at the five situationally because there's just not another option, or DJ for that matter. Like I like the bigger option, and Ursan just has not been 
reliable on a regular basis lately. So the one hole was a guy who can play backup five. Miritich can certainly do that. I mean, he's had to play the three at times in New Orleans because they're so full of forwards and centers and everything else. But he's got the size and, more importantly, in my opinion, the bulk to to be able to play center, but also the shooting ability to fit with the Bucks. It's it's a really a best of both worlds thing. I think Alex Boder tweeted in all of his NBA seasons, he's taken more threes than twos. That's just a like a perfect Budenholzer center right there. You can't you can't get much better than that for the scheme this team wants to run. Yeah, I think that's one hundred percent correct. I don't really remember a trade like this with Milwaukee where I would get on Twitter or I would, uh, you know online anywhere and see a hundred percent agreement with the trade. Right? I mean, yeah. I think this is. Uh, universally a home run for Milwaukee and, and I, I just don't think that I can remember the Bucks ever but there's always someone out there that's like well you know uh, man you gave up a couple of second round draft picks there that's uh, that's pretty important but this time everyone's happy and they don't care because they understand what is happening here they bring in a guy that is a starting caliber player he started 22 of his 32 appearances this year he's shooting 37% from three uh, it, he's averaging 16 points a game and eight boards. This guy is exactly what the Bucks need and want. He's more depth. He's just another guy that spaces the floor. And I, I feel like Giannis right now. I know. I think their their flight left to Dallas at four o'clock today, so they're they're probably in the air right now. And I bet you Giannis is smiling on his face right now. Yeah, I, I think he certainly would. I'm pulling up right now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do that thing annoying thing on podcasts where someone talks while they're looking something up. But Miritich is a playoff-proven player, and I like that. Uh, only 15 a game for the Pelicans last year, but he started all nine games and shot 43% from three-point range in the postseason for New Orleans. And some of the just having 15 points is probably because, I mean, Drew Holiday and especially Anthony Davis just did so much work for them in the postseason that he didn't shoot a bunch. But, I mean, he, he shot 52.9% from two, 43% from three, 15 and almost 10 boards per game in the postseason with more than one assist, more than one steal, more than one block. I mean, that's just a all-around solid contributor. No, uh, 100%. And, and uh, we talk about those draft picks, and we may as I mean, we've got to mention that. So the Bucks, uh, so four picks, second-round picks go to the Pelicans. Uh, again, it's... Those picks, and I, I know. Well, I'll let you get to this. This is this is your thing, the second round picks. I know you you wrote a, a story and, and the value of second round picks, but I I found it incredible that the Pelicans would not try and force a first round pick for Miritich because he's that type of player. And yes, he's expiring at the end of the season, but it seems like if you're giving away four second round picks, and particularly a couple of those picks that will probably never be used, it's paper that uh, this is a real steal and uh, i'll let you get into your uh, uh second round pick yeah i mean it's just people just don't like general nba people i feel like there's because people just don't care about second round picks there's not that much thought put into their value but i mean imagine if like you compared all first round picks like they were worth the same like Clearly this year, the Knicks pick is going to be a lot better than the Warriors pick in the first round. And that's like a bit of subtext that's always taken into account when you talk about first round picks. And people just don't do the same with second round picks. You know, they just say, you know, X number of second round picks, no matter what. And it's they're like people look at them like they're all the same. A second round pick in the 30s, 
you have a decent shot of getting a good player. I mean, the Bucks have done it recently, the Warriors, yeah. a lot of teams. But if you're talking about the 50s, there's been <laughs> literally one player in the last four years, Monty Morris, that's really been a productive NBA player. And he's been very good. And that was, you know, people are going to say, oh, that could be Monty Morris. Well, that's a like a one in 40 chance. And that's even rare. I mean, going back farther, there's just not many. I mean, Isaiah Thomas went last in the draft back when he's one of those guys. But it's like once every like three or four drafts, you get a real player. And two of the Bucks picks are going to be that the not not the Bucks picks, the picks they gave up will be that bad. I mean, one of them is the Bucks' own pick in a year or two. You look at it. I mean, that's unless something catastrophic happens, that's going to be a pick in the fifties. I mean, right now it would be sixty. So that's you know almost certainly nothing. One of the picks is a Denver second rounder. Denver's right now the best team in the West. And even if they do some, even if they somehow collapse out of the playoffs entirely, it's protected it through the fifty-fifth pick. So either it's 56 through 60 this year or it's nothing. So two of those picks are not much. Two of them are good. I mean, they're Washington second-round picks. The Wizards are a dumpster fire. Those picks will be valuable. So really, it's like two picks with real value given up for Miritich and getting off Don, who didn't play a lot, had some value, not a lot of league-wide value, and won it out. So I, I don't see how it's not a slam dunk if you look at the picks that way. Yeah, and, and there's no doubt that if you look at what the Bucs have done this season uh, to this point in every single move, the direction of this franchise has changed drastically from where they were at the start of the season. You bring in Mike Budenholzer, you think the team's going to be good, the aim is to get out of the first round, get home court advantage. Now here we are, we're sitting here in February uh, on the eve of the All-Star break, and this team is not now hoping to get out of the first round. This team is going all out to win the whole thing. And... They don't care in that situation about a second-round pick. Like, If you can get a player that is going to help you uh, potentially win an NBA title this year, and again, the important thing, not lock up any future money, which does not complicate things for this Bucks team's come, come summer, then they're going to do it. And in adding George Hill earlier in the season and now Miritich, you get two guys that have, have playoff experience, they've played well in the playoffs, and you give this team added depth because... I, I tweeted about this earlier today, but as as good as DJ Wilson and Sterling Brown have been, they haven't really had to play in the playoffs. They haven't been under that playoff microscope. And if you can have these veterans that have been there before and aren't going to get overawed by the moment, then you do it. Because everything has run so smoothly for the Bucks at this point. The more depth you, you can add uh, at this point in time in the lead up to the playoffs and not lose anyone that was even playing minutes. <laughs> I mean, you don't even think twice about that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a slam dunk. And I, this is something I tweeted as well in regards to losing those second round picks. I mean, the bucks, there's always need to add more young guys as you go, even for really good teams. Like even the warriors are, they're trying to bring up some young guys. You just have to with the salary cap. But now that the bucks are sort of becoming established, if not established, as one of the elite teams in the league, a real title contender, and etc., you know now you can look at starting adding real talented veterans on minimum deals or close to minimum deals, exception deals, like a lot like Brook Lopez, honestly. But even in situations where they're not a center and a really bad year for centers, I mean, there's you you move from needing to have all young guys to having some young guys to you know develop and keep the team going. But you you want to add more of those veterans like Hill like Miritich, you know, on, on smaller deals in the summer because, you know, they're going to have interest in playing in Milwaukee, playing with Giannis, and 
trying to win a title. You see it all the time with guys like David West, you know, all those sort of veterans who have had long careers. They're clearly a bit over the hill, but now they want to contend and they're looking for teams where they can do that and play a role. Absolutely. And and this is and now again, the Bucks are going to be in a different position this summer. And yeah, they'll have to make some decisions with contracts. With we know the four starters not named Giannis are going to be up for a, a pay rise, but uh the Bucks we expect are going to make a playoff run. And then that changes things when you're trying to acquire guys in a minimum uh contract because you know, at the start of this season, they look at the Bucks, they're not really sure where they sit. Uh the Bucks haven't been out of the first round, or they've been out of the first round once since the eighties. If they make a big run this year and and maintain most of their pieces, Milwaukee's a different destination for those guys that do want to win and do want to contend for a championship. So uh, everything has changed now. But when you look at Miritich right now, so we both agree, and and I think uh, you know universally everyone is going to agree that he's going to be a guy that's going to play major minutes. Um, I, I don't see any way he starts, and and just I mean I, I think that's that's going to be a common uh, opinion, right? Yeah, I mean, the with the one caveat, maybe, maybe matchup-based, but I, I don't think so. I think the Bucks should be good enough to where they dictate matchups, not vice versa. No, I think that's right. Yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't think there's any reason for the Bucks to, to tinker with that starting lineup, but what we are going to see is that it's. I, I feel like there's no doubt that, that Miritich is going to affect two guys in particular with their minutes. Uh, that will be DJ Wilson and, and Ersan Ilyasova, who... Um, at this point, have played uh, roughly 35 minutes combined each. So, um, where are you at on that? Do you, what do you think? What type of minutes do you think that Miritich is going to play? And who do you think takes the big hit there? Or, or how do you see that uh, rotation playing out? Well, I think you shared with me. I think before we came on air that he's Miritich playing 28 this year and 29 last year. So he's like a between 25 and 30 30 minute player usually. Uh, you know, I think he's going to have to play around the same minutes. He's he's good. And he's established. And it's tough because I know, you know, Ersan is a Budenholzer guy. That's why he's here. That's why he was the first guy the Bucks went after in free agency. Except, except for the Bucks' last game, he hasn't really been that great for a long time now since early in the season. And DJ Wilson came on strong, then kind of quieted down, has had moments here and there. But he's, you know, inconsistent a little bit and just unproven, although clearly there's a lot of potential there. And I think I'm very happy that John Horace didn't listen to my tweets and and decline his option, his team option for this season or next season it would have been. Um, But I think both of those guys are going to have to lose some minutes. I think the way Bud has been doing things, I kind of think it'll vary. You know, some nights DJ will play more than Ersan. Some nights Ersan will probably play more than DJ based on matchups. It seems like Bud likes to ride the hot hand, which I'm totally – Totally with. I think that's – it just makes it easier to stomach if you're not playing and the guy who is playing is just balling out. But I, I think I think Miritich's minutes should be pretty well established in that 25-plus range, even if it costs those guys, you know, their minutes. Because it's just – I mean, you know, this isn't a developmental project right now. This is, like you said, make a finals run. Go for it. They have all the tools. They have the best record in the NBA. You know, if if that costs Ersan Ilyasova his minutes, so be it. Yeah. I agree, and uh, I think right now what we're going to see is this is going to be the biggest test uh, of Bud's uh, love for Ersan because you know the, the, we know that that Ersan, as you said, is a Bud guy, and 
he hasn't been playing well of late. And you could argue that uh, he was playing. The only reason he was playing was because Thon requested a trade and the Bucks were just not going to play him. Because Ersan has been, until last night uh, against Washington, where he goes four for four, hits some shots for the first time. I, I, I think I, I looked up and he hit as many shots last night as he has in his last nine appearances. So it's, been a, really, it's been a really, really rough go for Ersan. Um, but now you bring in a guy that is better than Ersan, okay? So then you have the 22-year-old DJ Wilson uh, who has taken all before him really when he's come in and he's hitting his threes as well um, at a much higher clip than Ersan. So uh, there's no doubt that uh, Miritich is going to play major minutes. But when you look at the rotation right now, you've probably got the starters. Uh, I think you can lock in George Hill, uh, Tony Snell, and Sterling Brown as three guys. Uh, and then Miritich is your ninth player. And Bud, most of the time, and it's 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 difficult to really get a read on because the Bucks are just destroying teams every night. So the uh, Bud is going so deep. But in a tight game, I, I don't think he's going to go too much further than 10 men. So then your 10th man is going to be a mix between DJ and Ursa. And I think you're right. Potentially, that is a matchup thing. Potentially, he brings Ursa in. And if he misses a couple of shots, maybe he'll go with DJ. But... Um, Certainly those two, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And it's just a crazy thing to even think about now that, that DJ Wilson, everyone's been lauded how well he's been playing, how how important he's been defensively, and now like starting to find some rhythm offensively. Now you bring in this guy and it's, is he not going to play now? I mean, it's kind of, it's just ridiculous. The, the, how deep this team is just gets more more crazy by the, by the day. Yeah, certainly. I think you can look at it too as sort of, to make it a little easier to slot in the minutes, you know, I think Miritich will play some at backup five. I think I did. I don't know. I don't know. I'll just ask you this. Do you, do you like trying lineups without Lopez or Miritich at the five from, from for the rest of the regular season, at least like, do you want to see more of those as a trial run or would you rather stick to not running with, you know, maybe like a Giannis DJ four or five or something like that? No, I, I'm totally cool with it, and and we've been seeing it uh, recently because uh, Lopez only averages 27 minutes a night, and Thon hasn't been playing, Christian Wood hasn't been playing, Jason Smith hasn't been playing, so we've been seeing a lot of that, and we've been seeing different guys. Whether, like you said, it is DJ or Asan. So, well, that was one of the first things I thought when if you bring in in Miritich, uh, you can you can run a four or five with uh, Miritich and Giannis. Um, Pretty regularly, and and I think we're going to see a lot of that. And I I don't think, and that's one of the big reasons why I'm not too, uh, you know, spooked about not having a, a genuine second center now. Christian Wood's still floating around, but uh, I you know I, I think that's the the way Bud wants to go. I think that's 2019 basketball, and uh, Lopez is just at the right minute level right there. I I don't think we're going to see Lopez pick up the load at all. So. Um, yeah, we're we're going to see a lot more of Giannis at the with with one of those smaller guys at the five that can shoot the ball, and uh, it's that's I mean the Bucks either way. I mean you look where how they look with Lopez, but they look pretty dangerous with with those other guys out there. So I definitely expect to see a lot more of that. Well, maybe now that you know Brook Lopez was able to get himself a nice pedic here, he'll be able to take on some more minutes. Oh, potentially, I, he was. He, he looked like he enjoyed that. He said he's at he practice. He was. Katie was talking to him, and he said he was a big pedicure guy. So hey, I mean, you know, I'm not going to judge him for that. I said if oh, no. I said if someone was taking me out for a pedicure, they'd sign me up. I, I'm up for that. That's. Uh, I got no complaints there. But uh, what about the rest of the East? Because the Bucks were not. 
the only team in the East uh, near the top that made a big move here. Uh, we've got Marcus Sol going from Memphis to Toronto. And then a couple of days ago, we had Tobias, Tobias Harris going to the, to the Sixers. So, um, yeah, give us your thoughts on, on those trades. And how has the East sort of shaken out here? Because uh, there's no doubt there's been a, a sort of a, a shift in, in these teams thinking and everyone is going all out right now and, and, and they aren't they aren't here to just make up the numbers. They're they're going for the for the Eastern Conference title. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of this was predicted when LeBron left, you know, like every team who might be good is gonna just go for it because they've they're seeing daylight for the first time in five years or whatever, or more than that. I mean he was in Miami before he was in Cleveland for a decade basically, that LeBron is on the East. There's finally daylight, you finally broke out of the the LeBron dungeon, and now everyone wants the, that top spot that he occupied for so long. Philly is interesting. I mean, they gave up a lot for Tobias Harris, who I, I like Tobias Harris. I mean, I, I've had a few times over the last few years been like, dang, I wish the Bucks had retained Tobias Harris and not traded him in that J.J. Redick deal. But, I mean, everyone, I guess, trades Tobias foolishly, so you can't feel too bad about it. It's happened a lot of times. Um I think that makes them better. I mean, their depth is a serious concern. And then today, I don't know if they were trying to address that or what, but they traded Fultz for a good second-round pick from from Cleveland. This is with Orlando. A good second-round pick coming from Cleveland, a bad first-round pick coming from the Thunder, and Jonathan Simmons. I've seen a lot of love for Jonathan Simmons, and I have nothing against him. I think it's great that he's like you know the, the G League local player tryout success story. All that is for terrific. I'm glad he got his contract, but he's shooting like 36% from the field and 22.9% from three. He's a career 32% three-point shooter, and that's a Philly team that with Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons there, they can't really afford to play that many players who can't shoot, and Simmons is a good defender and everything else, but I, I just really wonder, their depth is the question mark, you know, even with Tobias. I mean, their starting five is stacked. It's a little weird, but I think the talent will overcome that if they can stay healthy. But their bench depth is bad. I mean, Simmons is one of their best, you know, bench players right now. And as I just explained, uh, Jonathan, not Ben Simmons, Jonathan Simmons. I mean, 22.9% is probably better than the 0% Ben Simmons is shooting. <laughs> but uh, uh, they, they don't have a lot of bench depth. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get Wayne Ellington. I know Sixers people are right now dying for Wayne Ellington, which kind of says a lot in itself. Toronto worries me more. I mean, they did not give up a lot for uh, Mark Gasol. I know their bench is depleted right now, but I, it's still better than what Philly has. And I think I, they have Kawhi. Now they have Mark Gasol. Did, 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 the, did that return for Mark Gasol seem tiny to you? Uh, it did. Uh, I think that, that Memphis has sort of been heading down that path for a while, haven't they? And, and uh, you know, they, they get a guy that, yes, he's – I mean, he's getting on in age, but – I'm always interested to see guys like that. They come from a situation that clearly there's been a lot of stuff going on. Last year, he wasn't too happy. This year, clearly, there was so much talk about him being traded that that was a big distraction. Uh, I'm really interested to see whether he goes to Toronto now and thrives up there in a team in a good situation. He knows he's a chance to win a title. Potentially his best chance to win a title that he's ever been in. I know those Memphis teams were good there for a while, but uh, you know he's, he's maybe in the best spot he's been in his career. Um, so I, I mean, I agree. I mean, the Raptors have, have sort of been, um, you know, the the threat to the Bucks, and I know the Bucks have been able to handle them well. I've said before, I don't think Milwaukee fear Toronto, and I don't think that's changed through this trade. But you can't 
disrespect the talent they have. And if everyone stays healthy, and again, Cole Lowry has, has had some issues and he's getting on. Uh, Gasol himself has had a few injury issues and then Kawhi. So look, it's not perfect in Toronto, but the talent is there with, with Siakam. And, uh, you know, I mean, they are pretty loaded themselves. Um, for Philadelphia, the big the big thing for them is going to be who they can pick up in the next, uh, you know, week or so. And I know you mentioned Wayne Allenton because the big thing is when you get to the playoffs, your starters are going to play big minutes. And it depends what team you're on. They'll play maybe more, more so than others. You're not playing back-to-backs in the playoffs. And the Sixers starting lineup may be the best in the NBA, right? Because you have Ben Simmons, JJ Redick, uh, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid. I mean, that is a loaded starting lineup. Now We'll say east of Golden State, but yeah, there's certainly a case. Right. It's, it's I mean, they are, it's, I mean, that's, that's an incredible starting lineup on paper, but their big issue in the bench, and this is what everyone talks about, is shooting. Like you mentioned, Jonathan Simmons can't shoot. And when you think about who they've given away, they gave away Sarich, uh, Covington, uh, Shamit, and uh, Wilson Chandler as well. So, I mean, they've given away, to, to get where they are in the starting lineup, they've given away four uh, you know, good shooters that, that did make life easier for, uh, for Ben Simmons. So, um, again, you know, the Sixers were just starting to figure it out. They looked like they were playing some good basketball, and now they make another major trade. So it's always risky when you do that, uh, getting closer to um, the All-Star break in the playoffs. Can they get it together in time? Can they pick up a, a couple of big names? Um, but, uh, you know, that that's where everyone's going to be at right now. The Sixers are going to try and pick up some guys. The Raptors, I think, are down to... I think they're down to 10 players on the roster after all the trades they made. So they've got a couple of additions to make. Um Boston actually opened up a spot as well. And Milwaukee, we didn't really touch on it. But you make a two-for-one trade, the Bucks have got a, a, an open roster spot now. So, um, you know, we, we should really just roll straight onto the buyout market now. Uh, if you're Milwaukee, who do you think they need to target? And how do you see that shaking out uh, over the next week or so? I know I've seen some people say Wayne Ellington already, if if nothing else, just to take him off the market from the other greedy East teams who want to snatch him up. And I don't hate that that petty logic. I mean, and he, he would be helpful. I mean, the more wings you can shoot, the better. I mean, the Bucks have a lot of two guards, but I mean, like Dante and Pat Connington aren't shooting the ball very well at all this season. And, you know, I like both of those guys. I mean, Dante especially being a first-round pick and being so young. But, you know, if it's the playoffs – you know, you don't want to throw Dante DiVincenzo out there and just hope he's going to have his shot that one game. You know, for a deep competitive team like the Bucks, if you can have a proven shooter like Wayne Ellington as your whatever 10th, 11th guy, I don't know why you're even going that deep in the playoffs. But if the situation arises, you'd rather have the more proven guy. But, I mean, my first overall choice, I mean, it's got to be Robin Lopez, right? I mean, to pair the Lopez brothers together, I mean, they're, they're hilarious. They're always digging on each other. I mean, they might... Uh, as long as if, if they fight, as long as Brooke doesn't get too banged up, I'm fine with it. Like that just seems like it'd be a lot of fun. I'm all in on pairing the Lopez brothers. Right. And I, I, I mean, look, I would not say no to that. Uh, one thing that I pointed out today, and I think it's important to keep in mind is that if they, if the Bucks aren't going to get these guys, then you, if you're a Bucks fan, then you should be just hoping that they do not go to Philadelphia or Toronto, right? Because, uh, you know, the, the Bucks are, are loaded. They're deep. 
they don't necessarily I, I mean there's no major weakness in the roster but you don't want these other teams to get any stronger particularly Philadelphia because as we mentioned uh, they're you know pretty shallow um, in terms of depth so uh, there's already been reports that Wes Matthews looks like he's going to Indiana. Wayne Ellington looks like he might be going to Detroit. Ooh. So if so, if you take those two guys off the market, that's not necessarily a bad thing for Milwaukee. Um, the other important thing to remember is that guys, because a lot of people question, and I had a couple of people ask me, why would Wes Matthews want to go to Indiana? They're not going to win the title. And and while that, that may be true, these guys are looking for their next contract, right? They're looking to make some money. So if they go to Milwaukee, are they even going to play? Or how much are they going to play? Are they going to get a chance to earn money? Yes, they maybe you know it, it go all the way to the NBA Finals, but it's a tough balance for these guys. So that's where Milwaukee are perhaps a little bit behind some of the other teams in the fact that they are so deep that maybe the opportunity is not so attractive. But again, when you have Giannis and you have all these guys, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to play with them? And Robin Lopez is one guy who's been uh, linked with the Golden State Warriors, but the Bucks have a genuine tie with that guy. And if he, if the Bucks could add that guy again, it's just a bit of insurance. Uh, I think the Bucks are going to mostly go small. But if you get in a situation where Brook Lopez picks up two quick fouls in the first three minutes and you're in a playoff game, put Robin Lopez out there. He, he's he doesn't shoot the ball as well as Lopez as far out as he does. But he can give you a little bit of spacing. He's tough. He's going to do a lot of the same things that Brook Lopez does. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Milwaukee try and go down that path. Um, outside of that, Trevor Ariza was a guy that doesn't I, it doesn't look like he's going to get bought out, but I was joking last night that he should have just not even gone back to Washington and he should have just stayed in Milwaukee. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, we're really... Uh, uh, I mean, the Bucks are, have are sort of feel like they're loaded at every position, but um, again, it's going to be interesting to watch because this is where these top teams in the East are going to try and make that one last push. Well, yeah, I mean, we talked about before trying to fit, you know, after Miritich, does DJ still play, does Ersan still play? I mean, that right there, like sort of in a nutshell, is the problem with adding a, a decent buyout guy is there's, there's already not enough room for the players who are here to play. I mean, Pat C, who was an important contributor early and impressed a lot of people, doesn't really get minutes anymore. Dante doesn't really play. So, yeah, there is that issue of if you bring someone, you know, how, how can you recruit someone? And, you know, unless you're – I mean, I wouldn't think the Bucks would, like, mislead anyone, say we're going to give you minutes and then not. But I, I don't know what the pitch is. I mean, maybe if, you know, everything, everyone else is gone, they bring back Moose for one last ride. He's getting bought out. I don't know if there's going to be a big Greg Monroe market. Uh, who knows? But – it should be good. I mean, if and you got to imagine the West teams will steal some guys too. I like your idea of just even if the Bucks don't get the premium buyout guys and premium. I mean, West Matthews isn't like a dynamic player at this stage in his career, but he's helpful. Um, but you know, the premium of those caliber guys, some of them will go West. I mean, I think Golden State wants someone. Marchin Gortat wants them, and they're like, ah, eh, we'll see. Uh, Houston, <laughs> Houston is probably going to go for some guys. But yeah, if the if no if no of the top buyout none of the top buyout guys go to Toronto or Philly, even if Milwaukee doesn't get one, I'd consider that a win because the Bucks are deeper to start with. I totally agree, completely agree with that. And and you know that's that's the next thing you move straight from the deadline. And and everyone was talking today. I was watching the jump and all these places, and everyone straight away is talking about the buyout market because they know that that these East these teams in the East are jockeying for these spots. And I mean, it, it is really starting to to shape up as a, the East playoffs are going to be pretty epic. So I think everyone's into that. 
but I think we've I think we've sort of covered everything with the trade deadline and 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 everything that's happened with Milwaukee over the last twenty four hours. Can I do? But can did, I, sorry, can I do one last trade deadline thing? Yes, I, I think the Sixers sold undersold faults. I think it's going to be a big mistake in two years. Yeah, I I mean, I don't really know what to think about that, but all I'll say is, Fultz was not going to succeed in Philly. No, and I, I don't think so. Either, I think but. I think we know that that was done. So could, I guess the only question is, could they get more back for for Fultz? They get Simmons. Uh, they get uh, a first and a second, but. Uh, you know, if, I mean, if he blows up, that's a that's a pretty. I mean, it's not a great return for a, a first uh, overall pick that's only, you know, eighteen months on from the draft, is it? No, and he's really young still. And it, you know what? It makes even worse that trade makes the the Tatum trade look even worse too. I mean, it's sort of unfair the way I think like the Ringer NBA account framed it, but they traded basically Jason Tatum and that Kings pick that's almost certainly going to go to the Celtics this upcoming draft for Jonathan Simmons, a bad first round pick and a nice second round pick, which is not really the return you're looking for when you trade two assets of that caliber. No, totally agree. But uh, I'm, I'm certainly not any less interested in uh, watching how Fultz works out in Orlando because, I mean, he's just going to be off the map down there. I, I don't think anyone really keeps track of what the Magic are doing. So it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think most people want him to succeed. I, I, I think, you know, people feel bad for the way that's worked out. And I always feel like the number you get uh, picked number one and it's tough, man. That's that is a tough spot to get taken. Things don't go well. People people turn on you pretty quickly. So that that's definitely one to watch. Um, and from there, I mean, we should we should, you know, we've got a couple of minutes here. We should probably just quickly touch on the Bucks last night against the Wizards. Uh, Fifty point first quarter, uh, pretty much put it in coast mode from start to finish, and they give up one hundred and twenty nine, but they still win by nineteen. Giannis has forty three. Uh, Again, it was just the Bucks' offense overpowering a team, and they didn't really look like they needed to get out of second gear on defense. So here's—I've been thinking about this a little bit, and I know it's not the ideal time to talk about it off the jubilation of the deadline. Maybe we can get into it further later. The Bucks, a few times now recently, and really I think throughout the season, have been guilty of doing this. They'll, they'll build that big lead late in the second—not late, but in the second half—and you can totally see them go into coast mode. Part of it is they play more bench guys, but even with some starters out there, they kind of just take it easy, and then all of a sudden I think look up at the scoreboard, realize that the Wizards or the Magic or whoever are within 10, and, and they're, they've been good about not really blowing the leads and you know taking the lead back, making it uh, insurmountable again. But you know, are you concerned at all about the, those leads kind of going away like that? I mean, I have other, take, I have other take, uh, takeaways from this terrific Wizards game. But that is something that happened yet again to Milwaukee. And I kind of look at it and you just kind of go like, mm, like, can we stop with this? Okay, so I so I thought about this last night, but when I was watching the game last night, I did not think for one second that the Bucks were in trouble of losing that game um, because it just seemed so evident to me that they had gears that they could go to. Right. And I saw this against Detroit last week. So 
to me, it was a different situation to what we've seen in Toronto where, yes, potentially the Bucks get up 24 and they take their foot, potentially they take their foot off the gas. I mean, that's, that's a, a human nature thing that we see all the time. But also I gave Toronto a lot of credit because you're playing against a team that plays seriously well at home and at some point they're going to make a run. And they were not hitting shots and all of a sudden they started to hit a couple of shots. So I did feel like it was a different sort of scenario and last night it was simply the Bucks just flexing their muscle and saying, hey, we, <laughs> we don't even need to try to be you guys. But that is in some ways a dangerous thing to do. But I had some people ask me that and again, the Bucks haven't won anything in the playoffs. So I do get you know a kind of concerned about making this comparison. But what have the Warriors done for the last four years? And when the Bucs are putting up the Warriors-like numbers and net rating, they're dominating like Warriors teams have in the past. The Bucs are on pace for 60-plus wins. That's what the Warriors have been doing for four years. They get to play against bad teams, and they don't even have to try. So I, I'm not sure whether we're going to see the Bucs be able to just click their fingers and switch it up a gear um, you know, when, when it really matters. But for now, I'm not overly concerned about that. Um, but... You know, it's it's probably something to watch for sure. Yeah, I think so. What what's funny about that game specifically, the Wizards game is, you know, and I, I didn't get to watch it live. I sort of followed along with the score. The herd played last night as well and lost a pretty close game to the the main Red Claws. But uh, there's there's more pressing Buck stuff to talk about today. I think um, the 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 game was funny though because all the you know the national people like the general or other team NBA fans made a big deal about the the 50-point quarter and how many points they put up on Washington or whatever. And the the few Bucks fans who were, like, contacting me about the game, one in particular, my buddy Colin, all he cared about was the threes Giannis was making. Like, the the score was great, but Bucks fans have seen the Bucks blow out bad teams in the East and the West all season. So that was like, okay, cool, but but oh, my God, look at Giannis hitting threes. Like, that was the bigger takeaway for, for him at least. And I kind of agree, like – it's great that they can blow out the Wizards. That's not news to me. Giannis starting to take and make threes, though, is is more eyebrow-raising. No, it is. And, and again, we've, we've been saying this for, for uh, you know, ever since you know, Jason Kidd took over, that when he shoots with confidence, it's a different type of shot. And, uh, you know, in, in uh, well, February, that was only the one game. But so through January, 14 games, he shoots 30% or just a tick under 31. Last night, he starts hitting three for three. He's feeling pretty good about that shot. And again, he's taking open threes because that's what this offense gives you. And the defense is so scared to get up in Giannis's face that he's going to keep <laughs> he's going to keep getting wide open threes. So this isn't a shot that he should hesitate about. Take them, let them let them fly, and he he's capable of making them. So the fact that he hit three in a row last night was really exciting. Uh, the crowd loves it. You're right. When you you touch on it, I mean, when you're at Pfizer, the, the the crowds go crazy when he hits a three. But uh, look, it's just another big win for the Bucks. Uh, they, uh, as I said, they're they're in the air right now. They're going to Dallas, so they'll uh, take on Dallas tomorrow night, and then be home for um, the Magic on on Saturday night. So uh, a back to back against two teams that you would expect uh, they should be able to handle. Um, now Miritich, I, I don't think I think it's just too soon tomorrow. I don't think we should expect him to suit up tomorrow. I'd say maybe he's a chance on Saturday, but being a back to back, he won't have it have a chance to practice. So um, potentially his first uh, time in a Bucks uniform might be Monday night in Chicago playing, you know, uh, against his old team. So uh, we'll see how that pans out. But uh, have you got any last thoughts, really? I think the Bucks are going to do well over these next three games. They all seem very winnable, and the Bucks are winning winnable games. And 
the the one last very last thought is the nice thing about the trade for Miritich in the short term that probably wasn't a factor, you know, in, in making the deal itself, but it's just nice that it worked out this way, is they don't lose anyone from the rotation. So a lot of teams right now, post-deadline, with all the crazy moves, are down. They're very shorthanded. The Bucks aren't. I mean, they're ready to operate at full capacity, which is just an extra bonus in collecting a few more wins right now. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a big point. I see uh, uh, Luca uh, Doncic is is questionable for tomorrow night. So again, you know, the Bucks just keep taking advantage of of I guess these little uh, bonuses that come along in the way. And you're right, they're going to be full strength tomorrow. That there's there's no real adjustments to make with each other, uh, particularly on this on this back to back. So uh, it's again. <laughs> Things just continue to roll on. And when we thought that it couldn't get any better for the Bucks, they have a trade deadline like that and, again, improve the roster without really giving anything away. So, uh, you know, things are still uh, going well for the Bucks. But it is 5.50 here on Thursday night. We are about 10 minutes away from the All-Star draft. So we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, we're going to see who Giannis picks in his All-Star team. Uh, we, I think we both we know that he's going to pick uh, Chris Middleton. Uh, we're the first pick of the reserves, which Giannis gets. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see. So uh, I think this is this is a nice little first episode. I think we can wrap it up there. I think it's great. My, my one note to Giannis here, we'll see if this is any accurate at all, but you know, do some recruiting here for the next few summers, Giannis. Take some guys who we might be able to get in Milwaukee. You know, Be strategic. That's what LeBron's going to do. I think he'd be thinking about that. He always gets a bit of a smile when people ask him who he's picking. I think he knows. I think he knows oh, what yeah. he's up to. I think he knows what he's doing. Oh, uh, yeah. But okay, I think we'll leave it that. We'll wrap up this, the first episode of the Euro uh, Step Podcast for Blue Wire, and we'll be back uh, in the next couple of days or in the next week for sure. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, go Bucks. <laughs> <laughs>